Hello and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are uh, glad that you could join us today. If this is your first time, then we are especially thankful that you uh, chose to join us this uh, Sunday afternoon or morning or evening, wherever it is you are in the world. And uh, <clears throat> we'd like to welcome you and uh, remind you our name is uh, Atlas Alex. And uh, we will be your host and your guide today to what we hope will be another informative and valuable exploration of our metaphysical nature and the path to awakening and self-realization. We try to be as practical as possible, as much as possible. And uh, today, at least, uh, we may also be as visual as possible. <laughs> we have our uh, we have our trusty writing tablet tablet all ready to go. And today is, if we are not mistaken, today is August twentieth. This whiteboard feature that we have on the computer it saves every one of these. Um, whiteboards, this uh, spaghetti that we create occasionally. And uh, so we thought it would be useful if we added the date. So again, welcome. We are once again very happy for you to be here. And we remind you that as always, you are more than welcome to jump on the stream and participate. If you feel you have something to add, you feel you have something to share, you would like something to get off your chest, you just want some some feedback on something, anything at all, by all means, jump on the live stream. This is a participatory exercise, and it's for your benefit. So why not make the most of it? The title for today's live stream was Shields Up. And it's something that came to us last week, not least as we were meditating on last week's topic, which was the the path of the spiritual warrior, or the warrior way, or the way of the warrior. There's so many different ways of saying the same thing. And as we were reflecting and contemplating, and we were using some of what had come out during last week's live stream in our reflections and to look as if there was a place for us to include the information in our in our book. Some intriguing visualizations came to us. And it is on the basis of those visualizations and insights which came to us that we wanted to 
ostensibly elaborate or extend on last week's live stream. We had not intended for last week's live stream to become the beginning of something new, like another, potentially another series. Just like, what was it, eight or nine weeks ago, we did a live stream on meditation, and that became this whole series of live streams on emptiness and fullness and oneness and connectedness and, and everything that flowed out of that singular beginning point. And perhaps last week, last week's topic represents just such a launch point or starting off point. <clears throat> it remains to be seen. All we know is that we reflected upon last week and what we're here to share with you today flowed from that sort of it led to what we're going to be talking about today so who knows where this is all going might not be going anywhere but it is safe to say that all of us have what we might describe as a an outer defense mechanism. What do we mean by that? All of us as individuals, and here we're going to uh, now bear with us one moment while we uh, gain our, get our, get our uh, bearings here. So I think, um, ah, this is it. Okay, just move this over here. All of us as, as individuals have a self. We have a self that we feel, our amness, beingness. That goes without saying, we all have that. But we also have this outer, uh, this canopy, this layer, that's a projection that we present to the world. There's many things that go into this. Can we, can we name a few? We have, of course, our name. We have our, well, I guess more appropriately, I guess they call it gender now, right? Or sexual identity. We have our other, I guess, characteristic physical appearance or physical characteristics. We might include our job in, in this, our education. It could be religion. In other words, there's this outer self. And this outer self that we project into the world, this is also a, a kind of barrier, a kind of shield. This is the outer self that we present to the world that takes the hits, so to speak. 
It's what other people encounter and it's what other people brush up against. And a lot of resistance happens when, you know, our shield interacts with others. It's like we create this bubble that we are in. And that bubble, a lot of it comes from our upbringing and our conditioning, psychological, emotional, and indeed physical. The degree to which this bubble or this shield, this dome, this construct that we exist within, to, to the degree that this is an effective vehicle, an effective vessel for interacting with the world, likely determines how much we identify. Hopefully you can see that. That's a little I in there, but we can write it out, out here as well. So how much do we identify or, you know, ID with this uh, with this outer self. Now included in this outer self, we have, of course, a personality. Our psychological idiosyncrasies related to this outer self. So if we wanted to, we could maybe, you know what, we, what we might have to, because uh, we're talking about ego here, so we're going to need a bigger head. And we have identi identity and personality, which interestingly enough, whoop, <laughs> let's see if we can undo that. Oh, we can't. Well, that's annoying. Why can't we undo that? Oh, well. This is going to be this is going to be uh, uh, a bit more of a uh, spaghetti than usual, I think. Okay, let's see if we can fix our uh, fellow here. Okay, we got a big head. And let's go back and we got IP. Now IP here, it stands for identity and personality, of course. But IP, interestingly enough, in technology and in creative uh, industries, IP stands for intellectual property or IP. This is that which has uh, value. but is entirely a construct or a creation. It's a mental creation. Intellectual property, as the name describes, as the, as the, as it's, it, the very name suggests, it came from the intellect, or it's a product of the intellect in one capacity or another. It came through the mind, perhaps, but certainly in terms of the world and the materialist science, it is a product of the mind. It is intellectual property. It is a property of the mind. 
And that very much describes this outer self, this construct, this bubble that we exist in and go through life as. To the degree that we value this intellectual property that we have constructed, that formulates this uh, field around us, that likely determines how much we are attached to it and how much we identify with it, and certainly how much of our energy and uh, that we that we invest into it. How much of our time, how much of our effort, how much of our focus, our concentration, our energy goes into defining this, strengthening this, making it clear to others and ourselves just who it is we are in the world. And shoring up the value of this IP, this intellectual property, which is our means of being in the world, surviving in the world, and extracting value from the world. Because that's what you do with intellectual property. Intellectual property is how you gain attention. And, and if it is of value, it's of value to others. They want to interact with the intellectual property. That's why intellectual property can be licensed. And you can see this, for example, in the case of artists, images, their likenesses, their paintings, their photographs. If a publication wants to use them, they have to license that intellectual property. It has value. The person publishing it is going to gain value by selling it. Therefore, the originator of the IP um, needs compensation for that. That's according to copyright law. But remember for us, IP, this intellectual property, this bubble that we're in, is our identity and our personality. That's where we got the I and the P from. Identity and personality. The implication here is that really we're we're talking about the ego. And this construct that's around us, this is here when we say ego, we're using ego in the sense of traditional psychology, the I, the self, the the, the character, the persona. But so much of this is defined by these externalized conditions, these externalized variables. These variables which matter, and we use that, you know, very much pun intended, This matters 
to us because it matters to others. It matters to the world. Benjamin drops a comment here and he says, strangely, I was meditating on political correction and our individual conviction. You mean political correctness, identity politics, and one's individual beliefs? He says he was meditating on that yesterday. What matters to the ego, what matters to the I, is precisely that. Right? Precisely this identity, of course, but beliefs. And, you know, convictions, politics, anything and everything, anything and everything that goes into that, that defines how we fit, how we interact, and how we fit, you know, with the world. as a very bad globe, that's what that is. But our, our, our place in the world, right? There's our place in the world. And, and how we go about interacting with. That's what matters to this field. Now, when you look at that list, the list of items that constitute this construct, because another way we can, another way, you know, we can, we can understand this, another way for us to describe all of this is we can, we can call this the self. This is the persona. This is the character. In our case, Right? This is Attila. You know, Attila, the, the Hungarian-Canadian. Attila, the, uh, the MBA. Right? Attila, the consultant. Attila, the, the author. Attila, the YouTuber. The live streamer. And Attila, the uh, six-foot-three, you know, 210-pound... Uh, male, heterosexual, 50-year-old, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's all part of myself, this self, this, this person, this individual that's, that's speaking to you, that's working on creating a new spaghetti, uh, a spaghetti drawing for today. But look at Look at the, the uh, items. And when we do that, okay, you know, beliefs, convictions, politics, religion, 
we have what are real sticking points, real points of contention, real points of conflict even. These are the things that that matter, right, to us, to, to, to the ego, to, to the self. And whether it's we're looking at ourself as an individual or we're speaking generally. But there are things that matter to us. What also can come in here is, you know, tastes opinions there's there's lots of things that go into this field this this construct of the self that we project outward that we present to the world and it is upon having others challenge what matters to us. This is where this construct begins to take on its true importance in our life. What do we mean by that? Or what's, how, do we, how do we justify that statement? Well, let's, uh, didn't want to do that. Let's, uh, there we are. We've got our containment field. There we are in our field. And somebody else comes along. And what do they do, of course? They're going to try to penetrate our field. They're going to try to get us to, we have expressions for this. They will tell us to open our mind. We'll be told, you know, to let down our guard. We will be told not to be so, you know, stubborn. And they're going to try to break through that field and somehow they're going to try to get to us. This person inside. But in order for this to, for this to happen, there needs to be some kind of a hole <laughs> blown in that containment field or some aspect of that field, some aspect of that construct needs to give way, needs to, needs to be let go or needs to be set aside, at least temporarily, to allow for this connection to take place. And you know as well as we do that this generally is a cause for a great deal of conflict, a great deal of the time. Because that, that field 
that that is people's defense mechanism. That's their barrier. And when you try to reach them and you try to do it in a direct way, this is what happens. For most people, that field is this defensive mechanism. It's the shield. Because remember that that shield is their belief. Is that too small? Can you guys see that okay? Should we be making ourselves smaller like this? Everything that we put into this construct matters to us. And when someone threatens that which matters to us, we double down on what matters to us. And so this is what you experience when you are trying to reach someone and they keep throwing up this personality, this self that they have with all their beliefs, with all their training, with all their education, with all their conditioning and everything that's important to them, everything that matters to them, that matters to their ego. And you can't get through to them. This is why. Right? This is what we call, this is, we call this uh, cognitive dissonance. Someone's unwillingness to let down their guard, to open their mind, to let you in, or to let the new ideas in, or to let the facts in, or the evidence in. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was for Azazel there who says, little Steve down there only has one arm. Uh, hopefully no one here is judging our uh, penmanship, our, our drawing ability. It's, it's hard enough to draw on paper with a pen, let alone on a screen with a, with a piece of plastic. And a plastic that has buttons on it. And if you press the wrong button, all sorts of mayhem happens. Um, <laughs> so, uh, all right. But thank you for that, Azazel. He now has one arm and one sort of broken arm. Okay, where were we? So this is cognitive dissonance. And when we're trying to reach someone and really reach them, we, invari we, we invariably encounter their energy shield, their defense shield. And it really is. This is not some kind of um, allegory or metaphor. This is absolutely um, the metaphysical reality of what we're dealing with. This is why people can't hear you when you speak to them in a way that you're trying to speak to their soul, but they can't hear you. You're trying to speak them the truth but that, that literally, you literally cannot penetrate through to their consciousness. Anything that you, anything that you're telling them, 
is quite literally bouncing off this energy shield. And it is that. It is absolutely that. And how is it that? Why is it that? How can we make such an assertion? Well, let's walk through it. We're going to try to draw a bigger circle here. We could probably do a proper shape, you know, if we, uh, I can't believe it won't let us undo drawing shapes. But anyway, um, where's our, uh, that doesn't matter. It's, a, it's not a, it's not a uh, geometry class, so it doesn't matter if it's not a perfect circle. But what does matter is, This field is directly, the strength of this field, our shield, this construct, the self that we go through life as, is directly proportional to the attention and the uh, energy. that we put into it. That's going to be an eyeball. <laughs> That's a terrible eyeball. So we're just going to do a, a dotted line instead. What we pay attention to and how much energy we put into the constructs that constitute this self, this energy shield. Think back on your life and think back on that conditioning that you went through, even from childhood, the education that you were put through, the values, for example, that were instilled in you by your parents. Think how much time and energy and effort and how much of an investment was made into those constructs that constitute this self. That energy flows into something and that something resonates. It has power. It has, it has the energy that was put into it. Now, you might not have ever thought of it this way, but that doesn't mean it wasn't happening. No matter what education you have or what education you were getting, at the time you were getting it, you it just was the thing that you needed to do. It's what everybody did. It's what you felt you needed to have, a good education to be able to get a good job, have a good career, make good money, provide your, for your family, et cetera, et cetera. But to the degree that you identified with your degree and to the degree that you began understanding yourself as, you know, a this or that, a bachelor of this or a master's of that or, you know, what have you, 
was your attachment to and identification with this construct that you had spent years of your life creating, attaining for yourself, in the case of an education, which you can then present to the world, put on your resume, hang on your wall, show it to prospective employers, or show it to prospective uh, academies where perhaps you would like to pursue even more education or you would like to pursue postgraduate uh, education or um, uh, uh, even a doctorate degree. You want to get a PhD and perhaps you want to teach and so on and so forth. You would like to be a professor. You would like to add that professorship to our, our field. But all of that takes time and all of that takes attention and all of that takes energy. And that's what we do. There's so much of our life is spent storing this up and strengthening this. As Azza said that he was too rebellious to take his education seriously. Okay, fair enough. And because we spend so much time and we spend so much energy building up this field, this shield around us, when it is threatened, we feel we are threatened. Because this is what keeps us safe. We're safe behind this shield, you see. Our true self, our true vulnerabilities, our true nature, our secrets, the things that only we know, things that we only share with the most trusted confidants, the closest of friends, right? For the rest of the world, it's... it's We might be an enigma because we're we presented them this this persona this uh this shield but because that shield is defensive it defends our who we really are from the prying eyes of the public and especially from their scrutiny when they challenge our shield when they threaten our shield well we can't have that if our field, if our shield is being threatened or is being weakened somehow, we, we, we double down and we, we put a lot of our energy and our attention and our effort into shoring it up, into fortifying this, this shield, this bubble that we live within, that we call our self, that we present to the world, the public self if you will. This is really our vessel. This is our, how we can be in the world and function in the world in some sort of practical way. 
because at the end of the day, the self in here, this, you know, what it's, what does it have? It's nothing. For most of us, we don't, we don't even know its name. We haven't even seen its face. Most of us, when we look in a mirror, we see, we see, we see the shield, we see the field, we see the face of the field. And it's not by, it's not at all surprising that when you speak to a new age or most so-called spiritual people, you talk them talk to them about ascension and so on and so forth, they think that this bubble is going with them. They think that they are this bubble. And that when the, when the uh, the great awakening happens and everybody ascend achieves 5D ascension, they think that they're going with this bubble. Well, of course they're going with this bubble because 5D is the emotional and mental bodies, the emotional and mental plane. So of course they would think that because intuitively that makes sense to them. Because what did we say about this bubble? We called it intellectual property. We call it, we called it all our beliefs and, but it's, but it's the mind and it's the heart and it's the body. Remember, we said this is the vessel. This is the false self. It's the character. In the uh, MMORPG. It's what exists in the virtual world. And we invest so much time and attention and energy into that character and to building that character in precisely the same way that anybody who's ever played an MMORPG or any type of RPG knows that you have to equip that character. You have to build that character. They're even called character builds in video games and in, in, in uh, RPGs. That's what they, they, they're called, character builds. And there's something in CRPGs called the grind, which is you have to grind your time and your effort and your energy in order to build your character, to build a strong character, to be able to go and face content of increasingly difficult level. Uh, Sarubab Siddhartha has a comment here. He says, in India, we have temples that depict 3,500 years old spaceships. And he says, uh, see Praveen Mohan's channel on YouTube. 
video recordings. Also, energy field uh, mantra scope. Um, thank you for that. Yes, the uh, the ancient spaceship uh, theories are uh, are very interesting, and the ancient ancient uh, carvings depicting uh, ancient sp uh, space vessels are. Uh, are certainly interesting and con confounding, uh, not to us, but to most of humanity. But here we, of course, we're talking about the vessel of the monad, right? That self in here, this inner self, we can call, right? We can call the true self. Right is kept safe. We'll make ourselves small here so you guys can see that bigger. That true self here in the middle. This is kept safe and sound. And surely, surely it's by design, is it not? We hit that button again that freezes our uh, There we go. Okay. We don't know if this is a hardware issue or if it's a Microsoft issue, but we're betting it's a Microsoft issue. So what we have then is we have our mind, our heart, our body, the false self, the character, and it's being built up. It's being built up because, of course, We're afraid. We have fear. We have to be practical, right? We have to live in the real world. And whether we consciously know it or not, what we spend our time and our attention focusing on and what we pour our energy into is what gets stronger. And as we explained, this phenomenon here, this is a defensive mechanism. It prevents other ideas and theories and so on from penetrating, getting to us. We have all of our beliefs. We have this whole construct, this whole shield, this whole self to defend us from the offenses of others. Hermes Trees has a uh, comment, and he says, Is it by design to keep us safe, or should we allow our true self to be our only bubble? Well, you're getting ahead of us, but 
we might as well address it now. If anybody else would like to posit a guess. But before we do, before we do that, there's something we want to show you. We would like to show you, because we were talking about video games. There's a video game, an MMORPG, actually. It's an action RPG. It's called Path of Exile. And we just wanted to show you a uh, some, that's not what we wanted to do. Where's, where's the, that's what we wanted to do. We just wanted to show you some in-game footage. And we'll make ourselves nice and small. Now, we're not going to put the sound on because we don't want to get dinged for, uh, uh, you know, YouTube ding for copyright or, or whatever. We potentially could put this up. There's there's someone speaking over this, uh, the, the guy who made the build. So this is a character build. And as you can probably see, there's this energy field around him. Um, this is called the Righteous Fire build for the Inquisitor and in Path of Exile. And it's a obviously an action role-playing game. And this build involves creating this ring of fire, this outer ring and this inner ring of fire. And it's all fire damage based. And as you can see, he can just like run around and wherever he runs around, any monster that enters that ring of fire will, uh, will immediately be ignited and he can do damage. He can do damage just by having this, this field, this shield up all the time. And anything that wants to try to get to him has to stand in that fire and be burned by it. Now, the interesting thing about this build <laughs> is that this build, it comes with a price. And the price is that it actually burns your character in the process. <laughs> so, so this ring of fire, this, 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 this energy shield, this fire shield actually burns the character themselves. But as long as you have enough healing and as long as you have enough fire resistance, you you will burn less than the people around you, than the than the monsters around you, and that's basically the uh, the philosophy of the build. But we wanted to show you this. We wanted to show you this because it it's a very visceral and visual illustration of what we're talking about here, and. This is one of the recommended builds for the next League of Path of Exile, which means it's very, very effective. It's very effective. So in that context, a lot of the energy that gets put into this uh, field, into this shield, is we can think of it like the energy of fire. There's a lot of pent up aggression that can get loaded into this field. And we go through life with these beliefs and these opinions and these politics and our identity we can be very aggressive with it, forceful with it. 
we enter a room and we sort of anybody that comes into our into our field right they're they're immediately affected by it they immediately feel it they can immediately feel that aggression that 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 hostility because the best defense is a good offense but this field could also be uh it doesn't have to be overt and direct something as overt and direct as as fire it could also be very coy and defensive it could be you know some people you get a vibe from them it, 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 uh, that they're very cold and then this it's the opposite effect you 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 try to get close to them and you you get this icy touch like this this you can't you can't you can't reach them you can't get close to them because their their energy is is it's ice it's they're, they're cold-hearted or at least they present that and there's all manner of ways that that energy can be oriented can be uh configured so some people are toxic they're passive aggressive so they have a pent-up anger and hostility in their field but they don't overtly try to burn you with it instead they they instead kind of radiate right this toxicity and that's like the passive aggressive the victim mentality the gaslighting and all the rest of it that comes off of it and uh you know i suppose we could it would be better if we used a green to do that that toxicity can radiate out and you know toxic people narcissistic people that radiate this like radioactive tar uh, um, uh, toxicity so I'll write that over here so the, so we have fire we have cold and then we have people who are toxic and it's now an offensive it's an offensive tool. It's not just defensive, it's offensive because the best defense is a good offense. And many times you can meet someone and they have their a cold personality or a fiery personality. There are other versions of this. Let's let's pick uh this nice blue here. If we can or actually no, let's maybe uh pick this one. We do that okay so someone who's very charismatic we have nice little rainbows coming off here nice nice rainbows right makes everybody feel good they enter a room they light up the room make everybody feel good right so people can be very charming and they might use their charm And they invest a lot of their energy and their attention into being charming, into being likable. And then they go through life, navigating through life, and then they win people over, people who step into their field, and they're, 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 they're charmed. Now, anybody who has played a, uh, a role-playing game knows that... <laughs> 
in role-playing games with where magic charm means to hypnotize means to control means to manipulate to when you if you are charmed in a role-playing game that means the enemy has taken control over you 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 lose your volition you can't control your character anymore charm in the context of a role-playing game is as dangerous if not more dangerous than fire or cold or or poison what we're, here we're calling what we're calling toxic this field this vessel this persona this character is how we survive in the world it's also how we get what we want that is so when we say that this is an energy field and and that we are not talking about uh uh this is not some kind of allegory or symbol or or something we're talking about metaphysics now when we talk about black magicians this is trying to be a wizard's hat so when we talk about black magicians what do they do and all those people who talk about attracting attracting abundance they pour their energy and their attention their focus concentration of what they want their desires they pour it into this field including their sexual energy their sexual potency their creative force that is our most powerful form of energy this is how black magic works this is what they're pouring themselves into their of their true self their consciousness that's their attention and their sexual force their sexual energy that's the energy in the vital body and they pour it into defining specifically what into defining and configuring this outer layer this outer field to have some form of mechanical configuration and using the law of attraction they project that into the world and they attract that which is going to fit into this construct that they've created this mental construct of like attracting like but it but it fits in in a um, in a reciprocating manner this is basically you know you visualize what you want and you attract what you want you know the law of attraction and all that manifesting your desires and all that kind of stuff so we can we just draw it this way or, or we visualize it this way so that it's it's 
you you are it's something that you lack that you desire so you're visualizing it already you're visualizing getting it or already having it and then you attract it into your life we don't want to get into too many more details than that because this is not a live stream that's going to that's that's here to teach you black magic we're just here to explain that this field is very real and that this is metaphysical science and that the more that a black magician keeps pouring themselves into this field the more they become the field which is ultimately an illusion. It's actually a delusion. And it's wholly mechanical. It is only given the appearance of being conscious because of the consciousness that is poured into it. The attention and the energy that is given to it animates it. So it is an animated illusion, delusion, machine. That That pretty much just defines what the intellectual animal is or the intellectual hominid. An animated illusion, an animated delusion an animated machine. That's what an intellectual hominid is. That's all it is. It is human only only by virtue of the consciousness that we invest in it and the energy that we invest into animating it and to making it come alive. As all mechanicity is an illusion and a delusion and can only come to life, it's only a recourse of self-awareness comes from the consciousness it is able to steal from us. we're trying in a roundabout way to come back to and answer uh, the question that Hermes trees asked here. Is it by design to keep us safe or should we allow our true self to be our only bubble? We need this, right? <laughs> we need this. We can't be in the physical world without 
a vehicle. Oh, there we go. Right? We, we, uh, we need to be able to have a vehicle, a vessel. We need the human machine in order to be here on this level of reality. So the question is, was it designed this way? Are we, is this, is this the way we're supposed to be? And that's a good question. Are we supposed to be pumping all of our energy and attention into that? Are we supposed to be using it as, as a weapon? As well as a defense mechanism to keep our true self safe, safe and sound in the middle of it all? Or are we supposed to be using it to manifest our desires and, 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 and um, uh, impose our willpower on the world, impose our will on the world by pumping all of our consciousness and energy into this field and attracting what we want? What's, this is the metaphysical reality. And you all know this, N none of this should come as any surprise because all of you have experienced this in some form within yourself, but certainly you've experienced it within, uh, within others. You all know that people, when they walk into a room, they have an energy field. People can see auras, for example, and everybody has an electromagnetic field. And that electromagnetic field vibrates at certain frequencies, and those certain frequencies emanate from the various centers of the human machine. And those centers are empowered from within. And they're built over time. They're energized over time. What was the investment of time and energy and effort and attention into these various different aspects of who somebody is? And some people are very standoffish, and some people are very charming, and some people, they enter a room and they fill the room. And everybody looks at them. You know, people, they just make this grand entrance everywhere they go. And everybody in the room, their eyes turn to these, wow, this person just, you know, entered the room. And other people, other people are like, we call them energy vampires. Other people create a field around them, which is, which is like a, uh, which is like a kind of, um, uh, a vortex and it sucks energy in from outside and you know people like this you've met people like this they enter a room and the room immediately goes cold they they literally suck the life out of a room well, they spent a lifetime creating a field a negative vortex swirling vortex around them that does that in the same way that the uh, the person who we say is um, magnetic or uh, charismatic or, um, you know, fills the room with energy, they have a different kind of outward spiral. It's an expanding spiral. And everywhere they go, they just pour themselves and, and out. Like like this, and they they will they will fill every space. We're reminded of that scene of uh, from uh, Batman Returns, 
where Christopher Walken tells the penguin, your charisma is bigger than both of us. And you think of those uh, televangelists who can fill a 20,000-seat auditorium or an 80,000-seat stadium or rock stars or, you know, what have you. And they, they seem to be able to fill a stadium, an entire stadium with their personality. And, of course, with their music and their voice and everything else, they, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, artifice that goes into that. There's a lot of stagecraft that goes into that. But nonetheless, there are individuals who have this capacity. They have this field that can just expand and expand and expand and expand and engulf everybody with it. And they, and they energize everybody who gets engulfed by this field. Meanwhile, depending on who and how they're using that field, people who get sucked into this field or they become a part of this field All of them, they get entrained by that field and, you know, it's very hypnotic. They become very suggestible. This is the charismatic leader type of uh, personality. So a um, the fellow who ran Germany in the 20s and 30s and was responsible for uh, bringing about the uh, Second World War, you know, he was this kind of charismatic leader was able to completely hypnotize an entire nation with this with that field of energy that he was able to procure and, and project and he used many esoteric symbols and he used a great deal of esoteric metaphysical science to be able to assist him in energizing and affecting the power and strength of that of his field of his shield of his containment field but hermes trees's question still stands is this is all this by design to keep us safe or should we allow our true self to be our only bubble we have a few more uh, comments we're going to get to first we have quite a few actually Benjamin Ochoa says, the true self is made up of a bunch of guesses in a long chain of our grandeur, so to speak. Well, the true self is the true self. Uh, it may constitute a bunch of guesses in your mind, or in our mind, or in everybody's mind, because we don't know ourselves. But the true self is what it is, is who it is. It's our job to know ourselves. So we don't have to guess. But no, that's a long road to get there. But no, the true self is not a chain of guesses. It's just, that may just be a, a, how, it, how they exist in your mind because you don't know any better. But as soon as you do know better, then you won't have to guess. You will know. Uh Surabab Siddhartha says, the idea of self is limited to perception of this body and mind. The soul is not a contained element. It is a system, it is a systema of sushuma, oh, sorry, sushuman, sush, 
Let's try that again. It is a system of sushumna. Monad is beyond identity and cognition. False self is again a perspective, a uh, psychomorphism. Well, uh, actually the soul is contained. And we're going to show you how and why that is. Uh, the monad is not beyond identity. It's beyond, and it's not, it's also not beyond cognition. It is and it isn't. It is insofar as it's not a fragment of the mind or a product of the mind, but it is definitely knowable and it has an identity, right? Our monad, our Atman, our monad is named Atlas. That's our name. That's our true name. Our personality, our physical self is Attila. But we know our true self as Atlas. And that was revealed to us. But that identity is not an I. It's a multiplicity. And it is beyond, it in that sense is beyond our cognition and our comprehension. Because we only know ourselves as an I. So because that's the nature of the ego. Where, we, where the I itself is also a multiplicity. Anyway, it's a great, it's a great, and it's a great comment, and uh, it's very, uh, com it's a multifaceted comment that you're sharing, and it's multidimensional. The false self being a perspective, a psychomorphism. It's an illusion and a delusion in that sense. It is a construct, uh, and it is a perspective which changes all the time. The goal is for us to have an objective perspective of the false self. The false self's perspectives are subjective. But the false self, it's real and it isn't. Because you can say an illusion is an illusion, therefore it's not real. You can say a delusion is a delusion, therefore it's not real. But the very fact that we call it an illusion means that it is real. Otherwise, there would be no illusion there. It's difficult for the mind to grasp that but there's a truth there so you could say that the illusion uh you go to the desert right and you experience a mirage and it looks like there's water there's no water there what you see is a mirage so the water doesn't exist the contents of the water is a delusion is an illusion but the mirage is real because you can see the water the mirage is real. The phenomenon is a real phenomenon. The illusion itself is real. It's just the object of the illusion doesn't exist. That's what makes it an, an illusion. So that is what the false self is like. So you can't say that the false self doesn't exist. It does. It's just what the false self believes about itself doesn't exist. That's the illusion. That's the, 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 the subject the object of the uh, of the false self, the subject of the false self, that's what's not real. But the false self, it is the illusion that is real, and the create the causes of the illusion, they are also real, and they are what contain the soul. But we'll get to that. As Azo says, have you begun playing Poe? Uh, uh, no, and we we probably won't. Uh, it's too much of a life sink. Uh, Lux Custo says yes. I feel that it is best to burst that bubble so we could be free of any friction from being inside of a bubble and those pressing against it in the first place. 
and we're going to just go on looks because you have a couple of them in a row. The bubbles we enclose ourselves in separate us from other people, creating that sense of separation. And he also says, Attila, Attila Angelo should be your new name as an artist. Um, so you guys are, again, jumping ahead, but that's okay because we're, we're just about arrived there anyway. Uh, Hermes Tree says, a great example of an actor who's uh, field is charisma, Mr. Walken. <laughs> he's quite a character. He's a character, even when he's not playing a character. He's a character in and an, of itself of himself. Uh, Azazel says, I think of Anakin when he explains a dictatorship to Padme and her smile suddenly vanishes. That is a form of vampirism. I'm not sure if that's uh in the second or third film. If it's in the second film, that's probably why I'm not remembering that scene. Um, yes, but uh, but that's certainly the the film. The prequels certainly show uh, a performance of someone who puts on a performance and puts this on this outer self and uses it to hypnotize an entire galaxy. So. Um, and yeah, so that's and that's actually very much the uh, the allegory that uh, Lucas was going for there. All right, so let's jump back here to Luke said the bubbles we enclose ourselves in separate us from other people, creating that sense of separation. Let's go back to our um, our spaghetti here. Can we? Uh, I don't even know. Oh yeah, so we can. Okay, where are we now? Whoops. This, this this really should have be able to undo what you just drew. That's a very very annoying uh, non-feature. Okay. Let's Let's go back here. We've called this many things, right? We've called it an energy shield. We've called it a vortex. We've called it a containment field. We've called it a force field, a construct. We've called it intellectual property. We've called, called it the false self, the vessel, the, you know. But let's focus a moment on... Uh, This word here, if we can. Oh. We have often said that the uh, the greatest prisons or the best prison you could ever design is one that has no walls, uh, no bars, no gates, no guards, no guard towers, 
It's one that people are clamoring to get into and will do anything to stay in. In science fiction, a containment field, it's actually not just in science fiction, but you know, electromagnetic field is a containment field. It contains things. It's a container. And what you're looking at is the best kind of containment field that anybody could ever design, that anybody could ever devise. Because the energy that keeps the containment field going, that traps the soul, the self, the true self inside, that energy comes from the self itself. You're looking at a prison where the only guard is the prisoner. You're looking at a prison where the containment field is powered by the prisoner. And you're looking at a prison that that prisoner is loath to let that guard down, are are they're, they're loath to lower their shields, and they will fight aggressively to defend and protect the integrity of their shield, of their containment field, of their walls, of the walls of their prison. What you are looking at is the metaphysical reality of hell. What you are looking at is when people talk about uh, uh, simulation theory, and when the ancient Vedas and whatnot talk about Maya, illusion, and how nothing exists out there, that everything just exists as perturbations in the in the absolute everything's just a a a virtual reality playing out in the uh in the great all mind of the universe or the great consciousness of the universe that's precisely true because everything that we see out there is a projection and everything that we present out there that we think we need to be in order to survive in order to get by in order to be to to be successful in the world, everything we exude and everything, this, 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 this entire energy field, just as we've been describing for nearly an hour and a half, all of that is energy and attention that comes from us. As this defensive offensive mechanism, which is really a containment field that's keeping us trapped within and behind. This is our prison. It's a prison of our own design. We all created it for ourselves. Regardless of how we were conditioned externally, we accepted it. We accepted it and then we doubled down on it. We made it our own. We, we, we Accepting it is one thing, but then making it your own and, and saying, okay, well, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be then. 
and then doubling down on it and pouring our attention and energy into it. This is what contains the soul, the monad. The monad is contained within this field because, of course, what creates this field, well, we said it, right? We said it earlier. Where do we where do we say it? It's over. Um, it's over here somewhere. But we do not have one ego. We have many, many, many egos. We are inundated. We are infected and infested with many egos. The egos of fear, of lust, of greed, of pride, etc. And those egos, they're inside of us. But just like any thief in our midst, just like any parasite, just like anything that's exploiting us and using us and abusing us, it's going to want to keep our eyes off of them. So, the best way to do that is to get us to focus on this... Uh, on this thing out here. And as we pour our energy and our attention into that phenomena out there, these entities, these egos, right, they feed on that energy. They get stronger. They get bigger. They multiply. The more of ourself we pour into this containment field, the more of our self, our true self, gets bottled up, becomes contained in that prison, in that field the more we become identified with it, the more we become attached to it. And the egos that are responsible for this entire dynamic get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger because as within, so without. But that works both ways. As without, so within. The stronger and stronger and stronger you make that containment field, that containment field's foundations are in you. The stronger you make the containment field, the greater power the only guard in your prison has over you. To use some colorful language, you become its bitch. 
and it has its way with you. And that's precisely what we've been, what we call that singular ego, and what we call the false self. But there's this has another name, and that other name will choose an appropriate color. This means this is the adversary in Hebrew and Arabic. Our shaitan, our individual shaitan. And esoterically, the kunda buffer organ. right, is the tail of Satan. It represents the energy flowing down and out, down and out, down and out, and into this containment field. This is the whole game. This is it. This is the metaphysical science of what's taking place within us energetically. And you can add in, it doesn't matter, mental energy, emotional energy, vital energy. So energy on every level and conscious energy and willpower. Because, of course, you can put your will into this, called ill will. You can pour your lifeblood into your false self and all these identifications. Into this energy shield, into this energy, into this containment field. And it's set up this way. It's designed this way. It's designed this way to imprison us. Hermes Tree says, like Adolf, many who can do this are also fueled by many uh, synthetic, synthetic drugs. If you watch Adolf, he was profusely sweating when he was inducing his mass hysteria into his audience. Um, it's possible, but it's not necessary. In fact, you will find that um, real masters of black magic need no substances and do not rely on substances substances are a crutch they're a form of weakness they can't rely on those things in the best of times although we've we've known of um the, of uh you know we've heard of his various different addictions and so on or or, or uh, addictions is not the right word um um dependencies but our understanding is he developed those uh later due to like in in his attempts to manage stress and whatnot 
but rest assured, we've been on stage with only a few hundred people and we sweat profusely. The energy, the heat, the, the attention and the lights and everything else, you'll sweat profusely. Um, especially if you're doing, doesn't you don't have to be a black magician to do that, to do that. You don't have to be manipulating the audience. You just need to be dealing with the energy. It's just, just the physical body will react to that energy, that attention. Um, a lot of musicians and whatnot, of course, they partake in, you know, many kinds of drugs and they use that to, but that, but again, a lot of them, especially get into things like cocaine because it keeps them awake. It keeps them, it gives them artificial energy to keep them going on grueling schedules and whatnot. So, um, but no, it's not, it's not a, it's not a requirement by any stretch of the imagination. Benjamin says the scriptures caution us about the false reality that people often create around themselves, which you have just described, because it is not of the truth. However, we are also advised to be both shrewd like snakes and pure like doves. Are you suggesting that we are, uh, we need to be, that, that having a containment field like this is being a shrewd like a snake? I don't think that's the intention of the scripture there. It just means we have to be practical and we can't be naive. Um, the serpent is, is wise. The purity of the dove is, is its purity, is its honesty. But the serpent is shrewd, meaning it knows when to remain hidden. And it will strike from the shadows. It will strike from camouflage, not to always reveal itself. But when it does reveal itself, when we do show our true self, we must be pure like doves. We must be honest and straightforward and true. But that doesn't mean we go around, walking around like doves, because we'll be eaten alive. Because the others, because there are other snakes about, right? And they're very shrewd. Um, yes, and Benjamin says the exact words were to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Yeah, no, was, we we're yeah, that's 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 the meaning there. That's the meaning there. Serpents are very wise, and they're they're also very clever, as in the Garden of Eden. But that's not the kind of serpent that we are being encouraged to be here. But a serpent is very, the way a serpent is able to maneuver itself around obstacles. Yes? But when it reveals itself, it strikes without hesitation. And a serpent's bite and a serpent's venom is, is pure like a dove so it's very impactful it has it has the uh the 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 power um but the passage is saying we can't be because doves are yes they're pure but they're also rather naive they're they're kind of dumb from a worldly perspective right they're they're like pigeons really um, so you have to combine those two qualities, those two characteristics. 
Azazel says, I think we've all experienced dropping the soap in that regard. <laughs> uh, yes, all of us have. All of us have. And some of us have uh, been on the receiving end of that perhaps worse than others. And many still are. Many still are, and they don't realize it. They don't know it. Um, they're in they're in abusive relationships with their self, meaning their true self is trapped in an abusive relationship with their false self, and they're suffering incessantly, and they don't and they don't know it. They might know they're suffering incessantly. but they're pouring all of their energy into their containment field and they're projecting that field against the world because all oh, that the world is this is must be the cause of all my problems and those people over there and everybody around me they're the ones that are causing my suffering again again that's that's meanwhile the prison guard is having his way with us it's having his way with them their false self and that's why the false self creates his projection. Because it's protecting itself. There's the duality in all of this. The secret of this so-called uh, shield. It's true nature. If here in red, we call this the true self, and in black, we call this the false self. Let's, uh, let's scratch that out. We call the containment field, right? The false self. And what did we say? We have all of these egos that are infesting our true self. These are all the manifestations of our karma. Okay? Those are like parasites. This is the dynamic. This false self and everything related to that is a shield and a defense mechanism for these parasites. It's their way of remaining anonymous 
And it's their way of continuing to have their way with the resources, our human resources. Our human resources, our consciousness. And our sexual energy. Our sexual force. That's what the false... So that's what the egos want. And as we said, the egos get them by getting us to have our, our consciousness focused on illusion and delusion of the false self and feeding our sexual energy into that, having our sexual energy flow down and out via the Kunda buffer organ, also known as, right, the tail of Satan. And this is how a true human being gets turned into a demon. And we showed a black magician pouring their heart and soul and energy into their containment field to do black magic. And the more they do that, the more they do that, the more they're becoming an awakened demon. And the more people do this manifesting desires and all this nonsense and black tantra and everything else, and they're allowing their energy, energy to flow down and out into things like, for example, what exists in this false self, what exists in this containment field, includes things like right our need for the uh, for maximum sexual pleasure right the orgasm our identification and attachment to orgasm as an example right and our sexual preferences and and everything else that you know there are a million different sexual preferences out there and that's all poured into this field and that defines who people are. And it's all fed with sexual energy. In that case, literally, with sex, it's fed with sexual energy. Lux Custo says, another interesting thing about Adolf is that in his most potent speeches and salutes, he is clearly performing magical runes. Oh, again... The, the amount of esoteric, I mean, look at the swastika, look at the SS. That's the Sig rune. And the swastika, well, you know, that's, it is, it's, a, it's the, uh, the three factors. It's the law of three in motion. It's, it's a rotating cross. Benjamin says, time can maybe also be a metaphor for energy. Time is, in this sense, it's a, uh, not so much a metaphor, it's a measure of quantity of energy. Because if you put in a certain amount of energy over time, then you get an increase of energy, right? So time, in that sense, is a measure of a quantity of energy, not necessarily energy itself, although we get where you're coming from, because the more time you spend on it, we have that expression, time is money, and money is currency. So the more time you spend on anything, the more 
currency you are spending on it, and currency is energy. That's why we say time is a measure of quantity of energy, as opposed to saying that it's a symbol of energy or a metaphor for energy. It's not so much that. It's more uh, in the actual metaphysical science of it, that it's a, a proxy for uh, quantity, the quantity of energy that we invest in something over time. Benjamin says, yes, the exact words were, to, yes, okay, we covered that, uh, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And he also says, some Indian scriptures, like the Naga Buddha statues, uh, the Buddha's auric field are surrounded by serpents. Maybe the right way to surround ourselves is to awaken with wisdom and understanding. You guys are just ahead of us the whole time, the whole, the, this, this entire, this uh, entire live stream. Okay, so let's just get to it. We've pretty much covered, right, the containment field, the uh, the energy shield and the containment field as a defensive and as an offensive uh, phenomenon that's actually a prison. It's a prison of our own design and it's fueled by our own energy and our own attention and our own uh, concentration. So then what, so then as Benjamin says here, is the answer to surround ourselves with serpents. Well, let's why don't we take a why don't we take a look at that? What do we mean by that? Well, first of all, maybe we should um, let's pick one of these. Let's go which one? We just drew one that was okay, let's pick this one. This is the latest one we drew. So let's start here. If this is a prison, but first of all, you can't just we can't just go about saying, well, okay, I'm going to create an aura of serpents now because the problem with that is that who's going to do that? You're going to do that? Right now you are this false self. You are this containment field. That's trapping your true self inside. That's why you don't know yourself. That's why you're still identified and attached to the personality, to the false self. The false self is incapable of creating an aura of serpents. Because if he tries to do that, it'll end up being black magic. Or you'll create a split center of gravity. You'll become a Hasnamusen. You'll just pour good energy after bad and you'll end up fueling the same thing like so many people do they start practicing tantra before they've learned anything about eliminating egos or meditating on themselves doing so-called shadow work they just think that oh i'm going to raise my kundalini now i'm going to start doing <coughs> uh tantra and i'm going to become an awakened enlightened whatever but if you become an awakened enlightened whatever in this configuration you're just going to be empowering and energizing the configuration you already have. No. We can't go about it that way. And we also can't go about it just erasing this or weakening this or no longer identifying with this, right? Or blowing holes in this, saying, oh, okay, I can change my beliefs. I can let go of these attachments. I can let go of my attachment of false self. I can stop all my habits. I can stop drinking and smoking and, and I can stop doing this and I can let go of all my addictions and oh, that's all wonderful. But then what? 
what then? I'll tell you what then. New stuff is going to come along. New stuff like being a Gnostic. New stuff like being spiritual. New stuff like learning uh, magic. New stuff like powers. Like experiences. For example, astral travel and 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 you know and 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 reading esoteric books and studying and memorizing this scripture or that scripture. Do you know how many Gnostics we know are just doing this? Why? How? They all think that they've gotten rid of their field. They think that the, you know how many you know how many people in the new age believe that they they don't have an ego that they've erased their field? There's only one way to truly break free of this prison. And it's not a matter of of seeing it and I and no and and letting it go. We must remember where it came from. We must remember its energetic foundations, the nuclei at the center of this containment field that we are trapped inside. It's these guys. And we have a lot of them. <clears throat> it's our many, many egos. <clears throat> because if we don't observe ourselves but that does mean observing by the way one eye in and one eye out so we need to observe the containment field and we need to observe the corresponding ego that's responsible for uh this this chunk here and then we we get we we feel some suffering over on the other side we get some we get some disturbance we feel some suffering over here all right and this is we have a disturbance in our containment field what do we need to do we need to pay attention to that disturbance and we need to pay attention to what is causing that disturbance inside of us which egos or which ego or which egos are responsible are connected to this part of our containment field and we need to comprehend that. We need to know ourselves. What's inside of us that's causing this suffering, that's causing this resistance, that's causing this conflict outside of us.
in this false self, in this containment field. And it is only by comprehending and eliminating the source, the sources, the foundations, and cutting off the supply of energy and consciousness that's being pumped into this part of the containment field, that that part of the field can actually open up, can actually be eliminated. It's just like anything. You can't, you, you have to go after the foundation. Because if you don't, it's like pulling out a weed. You've got to go for the roots. If you just cut the weed off, like with a lawnmower, or you take the weed and you rip it out, but you leave the roots in the ground, what's going to happen? So a few days later, you're going to have a, a brand new weed again. It's just like that. It's just like anything. You got to pull it up from its roots. And for that, and those roots are inside of us. And so we have to have one eye in and one eye out. It's the only way. And we have to use and beg and plead our Divine Mother, Devi Kundalini Shakti, to use her creative energy, which is also our destructive energy. And we have to beg and plead with her to burn those roots out at their source within us. But she can only do that once we've learned our lesson. And we learn our lesson when we comprehend how the egos inside of us, what egos specifically, and how those egos are creating this containment field, all of this, all of this, this, this prison that we are trapped within. And when we do that, when we do that, the energy and the consciousness that was being used up in that containment field and the energy and the consciousness that was being used up, uh, that was trapped inside of these egos, the consciousness that was trapped inside of these egos that, was, that were, were projecting and creating the illusion and the, and the delusion, all that energy returns um, to our capacity um, to know our true self. So, what does that look like? Well, it looks remarkably similar, actually. It looks remarkably similar. Uh, let's see. But it's a little different. It's it's just a 
it's it's <laughs> gotta stop gotta stop uh clicking that button or change what it does it has no limit and it's just it emanates now from the Adam noose in the heart. It's but it's not a defensive field. It's not a projection. It's not a it's nothing to identify with. It's nothing it's 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 very different. It's just a radiance. It's just, you just shine. You're not, it's, it's not a, a, a vessel that you're filling up because the vessel is vanishing. The vessel is becoming thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. It's becoming more uh, tra transparent, translucent. It's becoming more permeable. The more permeable a vessel, the more passes through it both directions. It's not a containment field. It's a It's nothing. But really, if we've spent years and years and years building it up, then then really it's going to be a multi our 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 containment field is going to be this multi-layered, multifaceted thing, which it's going to take time to to you know eliminate all those layers as we go after and eliminate all the egos that are responsible for building up all those layers. But now, in its place, we that vessel becomes thinner and thinner and thinner. And as you said, more permeable. Because we're not identified with beliefs anymore. And we're not identified with politics and identity and this and that and the other thing. And we're not attached to any of it. We need that vessel. We still need some thin veneer, some semi-permeable membrane. In order to be here, we need some vessel, some mortal vessel. But that vessel's purpose now is to bring into the world that which our true self, that which our true self has to give. And we are there to pay attention and to be attentive to and receive the experiences that our true self needs to receive. To be conscious, to remain present. But again, one eye in, one eye out. 
we have to know when we are receiving from our true self to be able to pass that along and pass it through. So you see, there is a field there. There is a, a membrane. And it's a regulatory membrane. We have free will. We can choose to pay attention to something or not. We can choose to follow through on, on our intuition or not. But the dynamic is clearly very different than this one. Because just look at just look at how it looks. Look at how he drew it. Look at all the lines going around and around and around and around and around and around, making it thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. And it's it's a it's a tangled mess. Whereas this, look at the direction of the lines are going. This is going, this is going around and around in circles. This is a constant exchange. If anything, if you wanted to draw it a different way, you could, oops, you could, uh, you could orient it this way. You have a person and, and where, you know, the, cir the circles are uh, something like that. We should really use a spirograph. We don't have a spirograph handy. <laughs> um, yeah, something like this. That's a very messy spirograph. But then in the middle, we can take our uh, our being, right? Put them in the middle. Wow. Okay. We'll 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 draw a new being. How's that? Now that also looks like a bit of a mess, but everything passes through the atom noose of the heart when you're uh, when you're drawing like, right? Like everything's passing through that inner center point of our being. It doesn't have it's 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 open it's it's a, it's an exchange we're going out and coming back in and going out and coming back in and going out and coming back in in that perennial give and take that rhythm of yin and yang of of receiving and giving and receiving and giving and receiving and giving that is very 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 different or you you should be able to uh, sense how very different that is from this just you know shoring up this defensive boundary that we're stuck behind. And we're we're basically catching ourselves in our own echo chamber here. And we're putting all of our energy and attention into shoring up our existing beliefs and our existing habits and, and our personality and everything else, right? And all those are just going around and around and around in the circles. That's the wheel of samsara. There's the wheel of suffering right there. Whereas this, this is that, that dynamism, that dynamic 
that explosion and implosion. If you look at the sun and you look at the sunspots on the sun and you see the way the energy explodes out in space and then and then falls back into the sun. It's it's like that. There is a boundary there. There is a limit. There is a there is a, a containment, electromagnetic field. But then we have these eruptions of love, of giving, of insight, of inspiration, of 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 response to need, to the need of others, of compassion, of love. And that erupts out from us. And then what comes back to us is, is the reciprocal nature of the universe in, in the great cosmic dance of monads, of, of, uh, of, of zero points. And the great source of love beyond the zero point. As Azel says, it could be worthwhile mentioning that we do not comprehend egos by indulging in our desires to learn our lesson. It just means you become more trapped and will have a harder time comprehending them. It could be worthwhile mentioning that we do not comprehend egos by indulging in our desires to learn our... Ah, yes, okay. Just wanted to make sure we understood what you were saying. Yeah, so this is a, a common misconception that people have where they say, well, we need our egos. We need our egos to learn from, right? Well, well, I have to have as many orgasms as I can because I have to learn my, or I have to learn my lesson, right? There's only way, there's only one way I'm going to learn my lesson is to keep having them. That's, that's like a drug addict saying, or an alcoholic saying that he's got to keep drinking in order for him to overcome his, his alcoholism. It's a completely circular argument and it'll never get us anywhere. However, when we do fall off the wagon, so to speak, right? When we do indulge our ego, when we do lose our temper, when we do find ourselves indulging fear or lust or greed or envy or any ego gets the best of us, we need to be in observation of that. We need to be present and watch that and catch that when it happens. But no, it's not because we're going around indulging that in order to try to create circumstances for us to obey, because that's all that's all contrived. That's all just clever ego messing with you, trying to keep people trapped in ego. Nobody's ever going to comprehend any way that anything that way. That's like. I'm going to purposefully get myself angry to try to comprehend anger. It's completely contrived. You're not going to, you're not going to understand or comprehend anything. So, but thanks for pointing that out as, as it's a good point. The key here is to pay attention to that containment field. And when we see a new level, a new, a new shield go up, or a disturbance in that shield, right? Because we will feel that as a disturbance. We will feel that as suffering. We will feel that as agitation, frustration. Uh, we will lose our peace. We will feel ourselves tense, stressed in some way, mentally, emotionally, or physically. We will feel that. 
the hair standing up in the back of our neck, uh, our, our, our muscles clenching up, our teeth gritting. You know, there's so many different markers and signs for when we are not in, when we are um, in stress, when we are in ego, when we are in suffering. We have to pay attention to that. Pay attention to what's happening in all three of our brains and five centers, mental center, emotional center, motor, instinctive, sexual center. What's going on? What's happening emotionally, mentally, physically, energetically? And that's how we make connections between, ah, okay, there's fear. Fear is behind this physical agitation that I'm feeling right now or this physical discomfort that I, that I, that I, that I'm being put into, or it's, or it's envy or it's pride or it's whatever it is, but we have to pay attention to that and see that and then meditate that and comprehend how it is that that ego is capturing our consciousness, enslaving our consciousness and capturing our energy and, and exploiting our energy to create this, this resistance and these disruptions and the suffering in the containment field. And that's how we become aware of the connection between the foundation and the field. And that's how we can eliminate the foundation. And we eliminate the foundation, we weaken the field. We create a hole in the field. And that's that permeability that we're looking for. So we can be more of our, we can exude more of our true self. And we can receive more openly and consciously for the sake of our true self. Benjamin says, my impression of your drawing is that this guy is in tune with the microcosm and the macrocosm, the atom and the universe. He says, it is like having a torus field emanating from the heart. Well, certainly that's another way we could have drawn it. Um, but that's another way you can you can draw that, right? It's very hard to draw a torus in two dimensions, but um, but yeah, you have somebody here, and then you have an emanation here and an emanation here, and if you connect the two, uh, <laughs> well, you get the idea. <laughs> I it's you know at the best of times it would be hard for me to draw a torus, not 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 right now on this uh, on this computer thing, but uh, but I think everybody gets the idea. But that is very much right what we're what we're getting at. Um, and coming back to the title, obviously, of our uh, live stream today, uh, this defense, right, is offensive to the to the self. Right? The true self is imprisoned in this, imprisoned by this, and rendered less and less effectual the, the, the more and more, the, thick, the greater and greater this is. You see, the self, the true self, wants to exist as a true human being. Oh, there. Oh, we forgot to uh, put it on the screen again. Okay. Here. 
So right, a true human being is this. And what we were saying just a moment ago is that this this defensive field is an is an uh, an offense against the being, against the true self, because all these levels make make the true self ineffectual, and it it that false self is what separates you from your true self. The more you invest in it, the more you identify with it, the more you're attached to it. And it separates you from everybody else. And in truth, no true self can truly relate to or connect to your false self. And we showed that right at the very beginning because of this, right? Because anybody trying to reach you, your true self, is going to is going to be bouncing off of your defense shield. But you see, when we understand this relationship, and we understand this one, now it's very easy to, by extension. Have two people so if this this person is you know we got, we're going to um, right look at this kind of situation or this one with the Taurus with the uh, the energy moving out and then coming back in and everything flowing through the center well now you can have two people and each one has their own right and this in here This is where the real, right? We can say the real sexual magic is. It's, a, it's, it's this intersection. And as these two uh, Tauruses, as they move closer and closer together, Eventually, eventually, they just become one. Now, in the other case, in the other condition, the best anybody is ever going to get to 
is this. And there might be some, there might be some crossover. There might be something interesting happening here. Right? But this, this dynamic, recall, this is being fueled in this way. And if you've read our article on uh, lovers and chi eaters, this makes a hell of a lot of sense now. Why? In this space here, we call this chemistry. We call this uh, chemistry. Okay, this space in here, and we say it's uh, it sparks in the bedroom or it's a raging grease fire in the kitchen. And the reason why that is, is because people are pouring energy into these false cells and there is there is sexual energy there. There is a, a, a sexual attraction and a chemistry there between these two uh, fields and they cross over. And again, where they cross over, we call that chemistry. But that's very different from what here we are referring to uh, as alchemy. Okay? This is alchemy. And that is chemistry. And that's the metaphysical difference. That's the energetic metaphysical difference, like the dynamic difference between the two. Is that from, the, like, just observe the flow of energy in this situation versus this one. Because the attraction in alchemy is not purely sexual and it's it's not but the, the attraction is not based on the field uh, or the 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 containment field the false self the attraction is based on the monad which is the origin of this, of the, of um, of what we were showing here, right? This is this this phenomenon, where everything emanates out and returns to the monad and creates this this dynamic, and then somebody else comes along and they have the same dynamic, and then there's an alignment between those two, and they just they just move together, and then we just that where that attraction is, it keeps pulling these two together to, until they become one. And then it's one dynamic. And then the two individuals exist together as one within that one dynamic out of their two dynamics. But their, 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 their monads are as one here. 
very different from, from what's happening here. Because here, they remain separated. No matter how you slice it, they remain separated. We don't even know if they're meant to be together. Because the attraction is just based on the, the, the energetic uh, synergy, the chemistry between their two, uh, their two shields, their two containment fields. So Benjamin here has a comment. We'll get to it right now. Uh, he says, he says it's debatable that religion is secularized metaphysics. Uh, that's an interesting. I don't. I've never. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone call religion secularized metaphysics. Or are you saying that we are secularizing metaphysics here in this moment? <laughs> Uh, it's unclear. But what we can tell you is what we are sharing with you is the metaphysical science behind all religion, behind Gnosis. Now, is that secularized? We don't think so. We don't think this is secularized. But this is the metaphysical maybe perhaps simplified we could we, we would accept that it's a simplified metaphysical um analysis or explanation but this is what is happening energetically and we want to shift right from if you want to talk about secularism we want to shift from a mechanical metaphysical nature which is what we've been showing here this this shield this containment field this prison of our own psyche of our own creation the best prison there is or the only guard is the prisoner we want to shift from that into this other configuration of a true human being From being mechanical to being divine, being from being uh, subjective to objective, from being unconscious to being conscious, from the I of the false self to the true self, to the we of the true self. And this is encoded in all great religions and all authentic spiritual traditions in one form or another. It's just everybody has a different way of expressing it, different different forms in which they explain this uh, at the time and place in which those religions first took form. And we're explaining it this way, for better or for worse. Because we have things like science fiction movies, and we have things like containment fields and shields for people to understand, and that people have seen in movies and video games. And we can, you know, we can show that, we can visualize that. Right? Do you really want to be running around? Uh, you know, you do you really want to be running around, burning yourself and everybody in your path? Right? Is that how you want to go through life? That kind of frantic, hectic, stressed out, and you wonder why people are stressed out. 
the um, well, you know what? We'll just open it up to questions. We'll put up our uh, spaghetti board just in case. Does anybody have any questions or comments about any of this? Oh, Benjamin add, added here. Uh, yes, he said in this moment it was uh, it averse uh, just a thought. It was just a, it was just a thought. He said, um, you know that expression, the things you own end up owning you. Um, in this context, right? We can say the things you possess. Excuse me, the things you possess end up possessing you. And uh, that's very true of this containment field, of this uh, force field, our, our shaitan, this thing that we invest our time and our money and our consciousness and our energy into to try to make it in the world. You know, because it's more comfortable, because it's more secure, because it's safer, because people understand us. If we fit in, we can fit in better because remember, one of the things about this containment field is that very often we have to, uh, or we want to belong somewhere. And if you want to belong, you have to like so-called vibrate at the same frequency that everybody else is vibrating at. So if you go to work and you're, you know, you're just not in sync with everybody else, you're going to be an outsider and you're going to be, you know. So we all went through that as teenagers, right? Belonging to this and that clique. You got to believe the right things. You got to wear the right clothes. You got to listen to the right bands and all the rest of it. And that cliqueiness still exists in adulthood. And it's all based on this field and how we configure our field. Do we fit in or don't we fit in? So what's, you know, what's the configuration? What's the vibration? Or you can even say, what's the shape? of the field because are we a square peg trying to fit into a round hole for example and all of that i mean all of those worldly concerns our reputation do people like us what do people think of us and uh right in our wardrobe and our our house, the car that we drive, it's all about, you know, keeping up these appearances and voting for the right party or voting for the right whatever, or it just one thing after another, after another, after another. And, and most people pour so much time and energy into such concerns in order to possess the life that they think they want. Meanwhile, that life is possessing them. The comfort and security that they'd be convinced is worth more than anything is robbing them. It's imprisoning their true self and is robbing them of the possibility, of the opportunity of being a, 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 a true human being.
Benjamin says, imagine if our auric field becomes polluted because of our ignorance and we create a false reality around us. How can we regain the strength to get back on the right path? From my own experiences, making one wrong decision in life can take years to correct. It's as we described it. Um, over here, Benjamin, we, uh, we talked about the relationship between our egos and our our containment field that if you want to call it our auric field sure why not um the relationship between our egos in that field in other words if you make a poor choice an error of judgment a decision a wrong decision it might lead you down a dark path and it might take years to correct but remember that the point is we need to comprehend so if the wrong decision created a new layer a new level in the field or we're going to use red just okay we need to identify what it is that was the wrong decision made but more importantly what was the ego or egos that were responsible for us making that decision once you identify what egos were responsible for convincing you that the wrong decision was the right decision like why would you have made it unless you had thought it was the right decision at the time so what was what was convincing you that it was the right thing to do? You need to know that. Because if you don't know that, those egos are going to continue getting you to make more and more wrong decisions. But if you can identify the egos that were responsible for this wrong decision and you can meditate on those egos and you can observe in meditation how these egos affect you and your life in other ways and comprehend them then those egos your divine mother can eliminate them and if she can eliminate them then she can eliminate or she can make sure that if you manage to erase or undo the effects of your wrong decision um that they won't come back and make you make that same wrong decision again and when you say how do we regain the strength to get back on the right path um it's that strength comes from within how you regain your strength is through surrender Okay, it's through humility. Because our guess is, 
any wrong decision that you make, okay, leads to a Let's look at this in a little detail for everyone's sake here, just for a moment. The words that we put on here in light blue. Anytime, anytime it becomes self-evident to us that a decision that we've made, something that we've done, that we've chosen to done was the wrong thing to do. We made a wrong decision and it led to more suffering. It led to a bad result. This is a tremendous opportunity. Why? Because we will feel humiliation. We will feel shame. We will feel humiliated. Now, it's not the shame that we want to focus on, okay? Because shame is the flip side of pride. That's not what we want to do. We don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to indulge shame. What we want to do is take advantage of the humiliation and humiliation is a positive emotion. It's a virtue. Humiliation and shame are not the same thing. Humiliation is a fact. It is a circumstance. It is objective. You are or you are not humiliated. Shame is potentially how you feel about being humiliated. But shame is the flip side of pride. You don't want to indulge shame. You want to accept your humiliation and take advantage of being humiliated. Why? Because humiliation breeds humility. And what is humility? Humility is surrender. I'm not qualified. And you beg and you plead your Divine Mother and your innermost being for help and guidance. Humility is what helps us erase this containment field. Yes, we have to comprehend our egos. But humiliation lets us lets us let our guard down. Because when we accept I'm not qualified, Shame is pride, and shame leads to, I'm going to show them, and I'm going to do better, and I'm going to this, and I, 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 I. Humility is, I'm not qualified. Make me, make me a vessel of your peace. St. Francis of Assisi uh, prayed. God, make me a vessel of your peace. Make me a permeable membrane. Make that which is inside of me, which must flow through me into the world, and that which I must receive from the world with humility and gratitude, make me that. Let me be that. Accepting your job and your purpose for being as a vessel, a, a semi-permeable membrane. And that comes through humiliation. When that when that false self is 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 shattered, the delusion is shattered.
by circumstances. And you are forced to look at that and say, I'm not qualified. That uh, This is not good enough. My best just isn't good enough. And that's when you say, if my best isn't good enough, well, it's time I hand the reins over to my higher self, my true self, who is more than enough, who is more than good enough. And when you do that, that infinite strength starts to flow through you. You do not hand a flamethrower to a toddler. Right? You don't you don't hand a gun to a two-year-old. But you can hand a gun to a responsible 16-year-old or 18-year-old, a, a mature adult or a mature young person who has demonstrated their responsibility, who has demonstrated their conscientiousness, who has demonstrated their loyalty, their filiality. And that they will pay attention and they will use that with respect, that strength, that power that you've given them. With great power comes great responsibility. So the strength that you seek, it will come to you, but only if you take advantage of the humiliation and humble yourself. And say, I, Lord my God, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. That's what Catholics say at Mass before they take the Eucharist. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you. I am not worthy to receive your power and wield it. I'm not worthy to receive your strength and wield your strength in the world. I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm, I've been, I'm, 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 I'm nothing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bug. But only say the word, and your word shall make me worthy. Because as, you, as your word says, so will I do. So mote it be. As it is written, so let it be done. As that famous line that gets repeated over and over in Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. So let it be written. So let it be done. That's the power of the creative power of the word. And that's what Catholics say. I'm not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. Only say the word and I shall be worthy. If you say so, then and only then will I be worthy. So what does that mean? That means you're humbling yourself. And you're putting your destiny and your future and everything that you are in the hands of your innermost being and your innermost intimate Christ. And if you do so, then you will be deemed worthy of the strength of your innermost intimate Christ. And you will receive it. And with that great power comes great responsibility. But that's the answer to your, to your question, Benjamin. And he says, uh, Benjamin follows that up. And he says, uh, thank you for that answer. In my case, I can identify the egos responsible for the wrong decision. And I still carry those egos. Like what you said, I should beg my divine mother to eradicate it. Uh, thank you. And um, 
and just keep observing them because you may have identified them, but identifying them is not the same thing as comprehending them. And that comprehension takes place in meditation. You have to learn the lesson that those egos have been trying to teach you by causing you all the trouble in your life, by causing you the suffering and making you make the bad decisions. So you got to really comprehend how they got to you and how they convinced you and how they manipulated you. You, you have to work that out, but that's not an intellectual thing. That's a, that's a, that's a, a, a conscious exercise. We did that in meditation, in contemplation, in journaling, in talking it out. Uh, but that's you. You need to. You need to have that eureka moment. And then you will have. Then the lights will come on and say, "Oh, now I get it. Now I get how they got to me. Now I know how they got me to do that stupid thing." Okay. All right. And. I see how they're still getting to me in these little, these other little ways that I'd never even considered before, right? Because they're very clever. And as long as they're dug in, as long as they're still manipulating you in, in other little ways, right? You have to learn all their ways and you have to comprehend them in all 49 levels of the mind. This takes time. It's not just like, oh, I spotted those egos. Now they can be eliminated. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Think of it like a bow hunter right? A bow hunter seeing the wild boar is one thing. Sneaking up on it within range, firing the arrow into its butt, chasing it down in the woods, finally catching it, cutting its throat, gutting it and skinning it. That's another matter entirely. But it's not until you have roast wild boar on a spit over the fire and you're digesting its nature, its flesh, and you that you really comprehend and you're really benefiting and extracting from that wild boar that which you need to extract from it, right? Spotting it in the woods, that's the first step as a hunter. That's it's you've only just you've only just begun. The other Benjamin Ochoa says, right, like buying a pill at the pharmacy with virtue and people skills. The pill ends up owning me. I don't really acquire that knowledge in reality. Like buying a pill at the pharmacy. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, so if you're suggesting here, it's like um, getting a pill that gives you a, a virtue and people skills the pill ends up defining you or owning you, right? You don't really have those skills. You don't really have the knowledge. Everything came from the pill in that case. Um, and that's sort of like what we're describing with the uh, the construct or anything that's acquired outside of you, right? The false self is the false self. And there's many, many different ways to build that false self. Many people acquire validation or they seek validation and they get it from others and then they end up believing what others tell them about them so others will say oh you're so good at this you're so good at that and so on and so forth and they start believing that it starts feeding their their sense of their identity it's, it's feeding into this this uh this containment field right 
people who are insecure in their own in themselves in their own identity they will seek for the kind of that kind of validation and uh, reinforcement uh, from without so so they will seek uh, attention and they're yeah and I mean they're attention seekers I mean aren't aren't uh, stand-up comedians and 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 actors I mean that's what they are they want they want other people's attention right they want other people's energy and they uh, they use their containment field to attract other people's uh, energy which that which feeds this containment field so you have these cults of personality and and you know what it's not just it's not just entertainers politicians do this anybody in the limelight anybody who seeks the fame um and the notoriety and followers and a following they will do this and they will take that energy and they will feed that energy and, and create a cult of personality around them around themselves or they will have handlers or pr people or agents or managers that feed into this this cult of personality this manufactured fabricated uh aura if you will so examples uh elvis presley uh, the beatles all the boy bands backstreet boys and all of these manufactured uh bands and so on where it's just it's all that it's all feeding this containment field and then you look at elvis presley you look at the story in life of elvis and you look at the suffering that he endured you look at the prison that the cult of Elvis created around him. And, um, and like many, many individuals, unfortunately, especially stand-up comics and, and actors, but especially stand-up comics, stand-up comedians, because they're so insecure and they suffer so much from anxiety and depression and so on. Uh, like even, you know, um, Robin Williams and, the, and uh, Chris Farley and many of them end up taking their own life. Because even when they do get the validation, even when they do get the success, it's right their 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 inner there's like a black hole in their heart, and that 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 insecurity is runs so deep and creates such a void in them that 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 energy shield that they construct around them and they get they shore up with the validation from others outside of them, it's getting sucked away within. They don't have their own energy and their own strength to feed it from within. And they end up feeding on that energy field and it starts to dwindle. It starts to get thinner and weaker. And then they start to get even more anxious and more anxiety because they're addicted to that validation. They're addicted to the applause. They're addicted to the positive reviews and, and the, the, uh, the laughter of the audience. And when that starts drying up, they start getting older, they start falling out of fashion or they start, you know, it's, they always need more and more and more and more and more, just like any addiction. It's really a shame. It's really very sad, actually, um, um, especially in the case of people like Robin Williams. Anyone have uh, any other uh, questions or comments? We're trying to uh, <laughs> zoom out here and uh, see what kind of a mess we made. Oh, it's not too bad.
anything at all? Anyone have anything to add or ask or the uh, the key here, if there is one key takeaway, is to pay attention to the where your energy is flowing and what you're putting your time and attention and energy into. And remember that if you reverse and change the flow of that energy, instead of it flowing down and out and it flows up and in, then it creates that torus effect that we were showing. And therein lies the key that you can Um, so there's, if your energy is just going like this all the time into this, into this field and then going around and around and around, you know, and you're just shoring this up all the time, it is what it is. And it's going to be what it it's going to be. But if you can do this, the energy flows okay there's a reason why that's an infinity. okay you can this this can be maintained. this can be maintained and it's just the energy circulating around. it's like the in-breath and the out-breath. breathe 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 out and then breathe it in, breathe it out, breathe it in. You can do that. You just practice pranayama and get into the flow and rhythm of that. And go through your life this way. You don't really have this defensive bubble anymore. Like we have often said, we wear our heart on our sleeve. We 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 walk around with you know an open heart. It doesn't mean you have to be naive and foolish about it. And you don't also don't have to bare your soul to everybody all the time. Again, it's what Benjamin shared with us. You must be wise as a serpent, but pure as a dove. Stuart asks, or says, or asks, uh, thanks for the spaghetti and roast boar. <laughs> Is there any dessert? Um, no, I think that was that's all for today. Uh, we don't want to overdo it. Um, and besides, if spaghetti and roast boar isn't enough, I don't know what dessert we could we could give you to satisfy you. Um, the dessert is, or the uh, the, the the finisher, the the, the mint on the the uh, on the uh, silver tray. It's as we said in the uh, the write-up, right? The best defense is an offense against the self. The self-defense is, is an offense against the self. The more you defend your false self, the more you are offending your true self. Recognize that dichotomy. The more you shore up the false self, the weaker you make your true self. 
you are robbing it your your higher self you're robbing yourself of uh of your efficacy of of his efficacy in the world and capacity and ability to do what he came here to do which is really what you came here to do because the other benefit of all of this is your higher self is the prisoner The false self is the guard. Meditate on that. Meditate. Use these visualizations. Make them prettier, more beautiful in your mind. Use your science fiction experience to to make beautiful technicolor, three-dimensional containment fields and comprehend what's really going on in in the... in the dynamic a prison with no walls no guard towers no guards oh yeah one guard and one prisoner and the containment field is generated and created by the prisoner and the guard is is the false self that right now the prisoner believes itself to be Really let that sink in in meditation. Really put yourself in meditation into these into these drawings, into these visualizations, and meditate on it. And allow this to 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 penetrate your conscious consciousness, and not just you're in, on an intellectual level. And use your conscious visualization to feel into the metaphysical science of it all. Feel the energy. Feel that energy. And the dynamic and the difference between the two dynamics of energy flow. And do so in meditation. And all of this will come alive. And you will experience this as we experienced it when we were shown all of it. And we were told and to share it with you. And we did our best spaghetti drawing to help to help you see it. So... Now the rest is up to you. The rest is up to you. Stuart says, he's very grateful for all that's given. Uh, So much valuable, simple insight. Muchas gracias. And he says, meditation for dessert. There you go. (laughs) Um, Anyone have any more comments or questions or uh, anything to add, to share? Anything at all? Um, we can let you know that we're fast approaching our deadline for completion of our book. We are now, what is it? That's seven, is that seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, what, roughly 12 days away? Something like that. So um, the, the clock is ticking where progress is being made. We, we took some time off today. Uh, had to take a day off because it's it's very grueling actually it's very draining writing um and uh but all things considered we're we're on we're on track we're on schedule barring any catastrophic interruptions or anything like that 
Uh, we're being very careful with our uh, saving files and backing them up every day, every single day. We we create a, a separate backup file uh, by date and everything else. So we're being very cautious, uh, making sure that we have offline backups and so on and so forth. <laughs> uh, because you know Microsoft has done stuff like that to us, and we have a uh, we're getting on we're getting close to 500 pages, and a 500 page Word document can go poof. Just like that, just like that. And we could literally see years of our life vanish. So um, so we're being careful in that regard. Um, but all things considered, we hope that, um, you know, we've, we've looked at some of our options. There is an option where we could potentially start uh, pre-selling. Uh, that is listing the book on Amazon prior to, prior to it actually being available. Uh, but that's an additional expense for us, and we we don't necessarily uh, have the funds to do that. Um, so at this point, we're just looking at having to wait until you know f four to eight weeks, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to take them to edit this uh, edit five hundred pages, right? So it's mostly just going to be grammar and spelling. Uh, we don't see there being too much in the way of style stylistic or or other changes that they will need to make but again we it remains to be seen we'll have to see how it all rolls out this is the first time we're publishing with this particular company uh hopefully it'll go smoothly and um and that means that the uh the book will be available uh again touch wood uh if everything goes smoothly somewhere in mid-october maybe late October, early November. Um, so, but we'll keep you, we'll keep you posted. We'll keep you in the loop. And of course, in the meantime, once everything's submitted and the book is in, in process to become published and everything else, uh, we're going to be working hard to start um, making promotional type uh, content, like short videos and mid-range videos and so on and so forth. Um, and maybe memes and I don't know what else other things we're going to be doing to try to get the word out. And um, it's not that we're going to be releasing them, but we're going to be making them. We're going to be working on it in the website and other things and so on. So there might, might be some things to share and talk about in the meantime. But that's the update on that. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Um, thank you for joining us. We hope you found today valuable. And uh, we hope that you found it practical and uh, also that we we hoped uh, that you have another perspective another way to visualize uh, the dynamic between true self and false self and the uh, the prison of psychological hell because it's really important to, to recognize that 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 prison only has one prisoner and it has one guard and the and the containment field is power its power source is is the prisoner and if you can really grasp that and get down to the brass tacks of that really awaken and and, and realize that dynamic then you're 
you're going to be way ahead of the game than where you were trying to understand in sort of abstract ways, this, that, and the other thing, right? This gives you a very concrete, a very real, meaningful, metaphysical, sci metaphysical, scientific way to comprehend how the energy is being utilized and what it is being utilized for and by whom and against whom. Benjamin says, thank you for today's live stream. You shared much knowledge. God bless your work. Thank you, Benjamin. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thank you all of you for being here. We hope to see you again next week. And um, in the meantime, take well, uh, be well, take care of yourself. And um, and again, we hope to see you again same time next week. And we'll post the topic as usual on Saturday sometime. All right? All, all good, be well, and inverential peace. Take care.